welcome to the Growth Tribe podcast, where we're all about growing ourselves to create lives we effing love on our terms. I'm Ellen, and I'm a former biomedical researcher turned coach who fell in love with personal growth when it empowered me to transform my health, quit my PhD, travel the world, and start my own business. But do not get me wrong, I'm still figuring my shit out too, and I'm so pumped to share what I'm learning along the way. We've got amazing interviews, big stories, tips, tricks, and no bullshit action steps that we can all learn from. So with that, welcome to this episode of The Growth Drive. Today's episode is brought to you by The Growth Drive Academy. If you're a growth-oriented person who knows to your core that becoming the best version of you is going to take intentional effort, then girl, you've got to join the Growth Tribe Academy. In the Academy, we're putting all the tools and resources you need to take your growth to the next level all in one convenient space. Obviously, I'm a huge personal growth advocate and firmly believe that if we spent intentional time in personal growth every single day, that transformation would be staggering. I believe it because I've lived it and I've seen it play out in the lives of my clients. In the Academy, you'll get access each month to a growing library of personal growth content. We cover everything from setting boundaries, healthy living, habits, self-compassion, and so much more. You'll get video content, monthly live coaching, and of course, a community of growth-oriented people to support you for all less than a dollar a day. Because my goal is to make this stuff accessible AF. And bonus, we're actually launching new content tomorrow. New content goes up on the 5th of every month. And if you're interested, head over to coachellen.com slash growth dash tribe. Once again, that's coachellen.com slash growth dash tribe. Or head on over to the show notes. With that, let's get into this week's show. Oh, friends, this is going to be a fun Fun day. Welcome back to the Growth Tribe podcast. And you read that right in the description. Today, we are talking about poop. Who'd have thunk it? But I've literally never had so much fun and never thought I would having a conversation with someone about poop. And the real the reason why I wanted to bring someone on, bring someone on to talk about gut health is how many of us raise your hand in your car, at the coffee shop, whatever, um, how many of us have experienced ourselves or know someone who experience, who has experienced some sort of issue with their gut? You know, maybe they have Crohn's, maybe they have IBS, you know, maybe they have leaky gut, whatever. There are so many of us on this planet that either know someone or are directly impacted ourselves by issues with our gut health. And today's guest is someone who is just like that, just like you, who had some of these issues. She today we've got Lori Seely on the podcast and she, you know, had all of these issues suffering from IBS and experienced them for years until she started working with a health coach and was introduced to functional medicine through the School of Applied Functional Medicine. And for her it was an absolute freaking game changer. And from there, she was just like, you know, I want to help other people with this. I want to become a sort of health detective so that I can help people to heal these problems. So we're going to be talking all about poop, all about your intestines, your gut, all the fun things, because so much of what she talks about is how we can heal ourselves, how we can use tools like the Bristol stool chart, so many others to heal our damaged gut. So, so excited to have Lori Seely on here. Let's get into it. 
welcome so much, or so welcome so much. See, I'm tripping over my words already. Welcome <laughs> to the Growth Tribe podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. It's so great. We are going to, okay, preface this podcast for everybody. We're talking about poop today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. So nobody gets squeamish. This is going to be a fun combo and it's going to be so necessary for everybody to hear all of the content you're going to share. So super pumped to kick things off. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into the poop field, for lack of a better way to describe it? <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, for a really long time, I was constipated. I actually didn't know it. Um, I didn't realize that there was anything wrong until I started having much bigger problems. Um, once I Once I finally realized there was something wrong. I was towards the end of a year of a yeast infection every single day. Jesus. And so, yeah, Jesus is right. Um, I also, remember, you can swear. <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. <laughs> okay. There was a week that I spent at Disneyland with my family with the worst raging yeast infection I'd ever had in my entire life. Just like in line at It's a Small World, not able to scratch my itch. It was horrific. And I was still like, I just wanted to call my gynecologist and be like, so where's the Diflucan? Diflucan is this, over, uh, is a, I was going to say over the counter. It's a prescription medication that's oral and it's for, anti, it's for fungus. It's mm-hmm. an antifungal. And um, it doesn't work. I mean, it kind of works but it doesn't, it sort of fixes the symptoms temporarily. Mm-hmm. But it's honestly, like a Band-Aid. Yes, it's like a Band-Aid. And for me, after Diflucan, the symptoms got worse. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And that's the story for a lot of people. So then I finally, uh, <laughs> I had... I had been doing some research. I was like, well, I'm getting a lot of yeast infections. What's happening here? And then finally, when I had one for a whole year, I was like, okay, it's fungal candida. It's this thing that I've been seeing on the internet so many times. And I just like, I would do a little bit of research about it and be like, nope, can't be that. That's too hard. (laughs) And, and in the end, it's, it is hard. It really is, but it's what you have to do. It's, you have to deal with it. So, so I figured out, um, I did more research. I found out what causes candida. And I found myself a functional medicine health coach. And I worked my way out of it. But it's sort of, I was like whittling away here and there in the other place. And finally, then I was like, no, I'm just going to learn how, I'm going to be a health coach. I'm going to learn this myself because I still wasn't like I was a lot better but I wasn't where I am now, mm-hmm. right? I, my symptoms were not gone. I had not really achieved my goal of killing the candida and repairing my gut until I became a health coach myself. And then I studied functional medicine. And while I was studying functional medicine, that's where I found the last few puzzle pieces that finally put it together with, for me. And it was heavy metals because heavy metals are very interrelated with candida the the one tends to exist next to the other because your body will use the candida to protect you from the heavy metals which is a worse evil and so 
it won't allow you to get rid of the candida because it's like, no, it's here to protect the heavy metals. So you kind of have to whittle the heavy metals and then you have a candida flare up and then you get rid of that. And then you go more heavy metals, more candida. It's like, it's like peeling the layers of an onion. And that was a balancing act. Yeah. And so, and that was the last piece for me. Mm -hmm. So, and now here I am, I'm helping other people get rid of their candida. And also Mm -hmm. along the way, of course, I learned so much about IBS because that was a big part of my problem. Mm-hmm. my whole life that I didn't even know about. And mm-hmm. so that's why now I really feel like it's important to talk about this stuff, to get the education out there so that people will know, like I had IBS and candida for, I mean, IBS my whole life, not anymore, but, mm-hmm. um, and then candida for probably 10 years and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so I see that as a very big problem. And it's like my life's mission now to educate people about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What were you doing? like professionally before you made this pivot? Oh, well, I was an opera singer. Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I just, um, I actually just quit this last um, spring Mm -hmm. um, because I was kind of doing both for a while and now I'm just doing this. So I, I was for the last 11 years, I was in the chorus at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. So that was my full time gig. So this is, I live in the house that opera built right here. And (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And now like, it's just, it's not my passion anymore. Now this is. So I'm focusing. Yeah. On this now. Oh, that's so awesome. And I love, I love that whole, everybody, when anybody makes a pivot like that, there's always like, there's a big part of their life that defined the shift that they made. Like that was some sort of like big thing that affected them that they then want to share with other people. So I always love seeing how that works in. And with this one in particular with, with health, I mean, I got my start in health and fitness coaching and I am super guilty of being the person who really only thinks of health as working out and, you know, eating right. Mm-hmm. But there can be these other things that are going on there. Have you, have you kind of felt that pushback in terms of the work that you do and the importance of sharing this with, you know, have you, have you felt that pushback from the medical community with some of the people that you coach or how has it been kind of helping people make that mindset shift away from no health is more than just these two pieces? You know what? I've, I've been kind of lucky. The people that I work with already are there. Oh, good. Because um, honestly, well, I guess I did have that pushback a little bit last year. I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't so much focusing on, candida and IBS it was more like losing weight through gut health ah okay very because that's for me that's what did it you know I was I had maybe I don't know 14 extra pounds Mm -hmm. and when I finally improved my gut health and really started killing the candida I it just came off Mm -hmm. just happened so I was like well I can help people with that you know like figure out exactly what it is that's making them hold on to their weights and help them lose weight. And it turns out that people aren't that interested in losing weight. <laughs> like they're just not, they just really, really don't care. They're not going to pay for you to help them do that kind of stuff. And so, um, and, and honestly, I wasn't that interested either. I was like, well, this is just how I am right now, <laughs> I guess, you know, and then eventually you get to a place where, or I did where I was like, uh Oh, I have this, like when I learned about candida, I was like, Oh, I have these like little bugs that are like 
crawling into my organs and they're gonna they're like making your cells produce in a weird way I mean like <laughs> I'm so like microbiologist so I'm kind of like intrigued by all of this. <laughs> it's yeah. so gross and it's, it's just like it ooked me out I was like I have to kill these bugs like what are they doing thriving in my system no eh, I have to get rid of this so so those are the kind of I figure like since that's what it took for me mm-hmm. to really rein it in and take control of my health well I mean who's who's going to want to do that when they're just, when they're not really in pain, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have to find, find the people who are, they're already there. They're already at that point where they're like, okay, this is my problem. This is what I have to fix. Who can help me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know, I feel like sometimes you have to be kind of at that, that like, I don't like to think of it as like a low point, but it's like the last straw. Like you get to the point where you're yeah. just like, I am done dealing with this shit. Like yeah. literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, like my, my brother actually, um, he's going to hate that I'm talking about this. Sorry, brother. Um, but he, um, for a long time, it started when he was in like late high school into college. He just had gut health issues. And I feel like he did what probably a lot of people did where he just kind of goes, meh, it's how I am. I'll just deal with it. But it ended up really, really impacting his quality of life. Like couldn't, couldn't do a lot of things because he was constantly just like wondering about when is this going to hit again? And, mm-hmm. and constantly almost dealing with that, that paranoia, is that kind of what some of what you were dealing with and some of what your clients deal with in terms of their gut health? Oh yeah. Let me tell you, like, this is such an embarrassing story, but I share it because other people have gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I was still living in New York, I had, um, I had a rehearsal that was like an hour and a half away from where I lived. And I mm-hmm. had eaten lunch that was, um, pretty high in dairy. Mm-hmm. Dairy was a problem for me, but I didn't know it yet. And um, so I'm waiting for the subway, kind of feeling like a gurgly in my tummy, you know, like, hmm, well, that's going to be a problem. But I, yeah, I'll be okay. It's not too bad, you know, and it escalated so fast. So there I am now on a subway train. That's going to be an hour and a half ride to where I need to be. And I'm, I'm not going to make it that long. Mm-hmm. There's no way, there's no way in hell I can stay on this train feeling the way I'm feeling. There's no way. So I got off at the bus station at 42nd street because I knew that there's, that there was a restroom not that far from where I was on the subway. Mm-hmm. I stood up when we got to that stop and <laughs> like all over the inside of my very loose brown corduroy overalls. Horrible. So oh. horrible. I was like, well, that was fun. And then I, of course, like sort of waddled with my butt cheeks clenched to the restroom and threw away my underwear and kind of wiped out the inside of my overalls. Like I couldn't have been wearing tight pants. No, <laughs> it's like overalls. With I never like, thought when you told this story, at least they were brown. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> and then I like after I got myself uh clean as cleaned up as I could get, mm-hmm. I called my boyfriend and I was like, So I'm coming home. Would you please would you please call the director and tell them I'm not coming? And yeah, see you when I get there. So he did that for me and I got and I, you know, 
I mean, it was awful. I just, I pooped myself on the subway. Mm-hmm. And then the whole way home, I'm standing up because I couldn't sit down. Mm-hmm. I was standing up. People are like sort of spreading away from me because I smelled like vomit, really. I mean, oh. it's that kind of poop. It was horrible. And that's the kind of thing, like, I think that's that's the only time that I actually like couldn't make it to the bathroom because because other times when I'm sort of feeling like that, I don't leave the house, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, this doesn't happen anymore. It was back then. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't leave the house. And there was, there was a time not too far after that, that my boyfriend made a meal that was very similar to the one that we had that day. It was kind of a lot of cream. And we went for a walk with our friends afterwards. And I almost didn't make it. Like there, there's like where, where we were, there were public restrooms and I almost didn't make it. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, like this is a problem. And then I don't know, it was absolutely one of those feelings like, meh, this is just how I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like chronically aware of where the nearest bathroom was. Yeah. And I just always knew, like, I just, I, I was always kind of just safe. I never knew when I was going to explode. So I was prepared for it. Mm-hmm pretty much all the time. Yeah. You know, and I would like, I would go for a run and I would make sure anytime I went for a run that it was sort of near one of these public restrooms so that, because that sort of churns it up, you know, kind of massages your insides and makes things happen, which is a good thing when you're healthy and normal. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) so I had to plan my runs around the restroom. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I just know, like I can go running in the forest preserve and I'm not afraid of pooping my pants mm-hmm. in the middle of my run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So other than like some of these, I mean, is that usually what people get to these kind of extreme situations where you have like a, uh, a yeast infection for a year or, or you're. It's like that. And you know what? And when people have just the IBS, mm-hmm. like it's still not enough. Yeah. I do anything about it because I mean, that, it wasn't like that for me. You know, I, I, I still was the I, IBS plus the yeast infection for a year that I was finally like, okay, this is going to be difficult to deal with. And I have to just grab the bull by the horns and make it happen mm-hmm. because um, when it didn't help that I didn't know that I was constipated, it wasn't until I had started dealing with the candida that I finally found the Bristol stool chart and realized, oh, like, do, do you know what the Bristol stool chart is? I'm, I'm kind of sort of familiar with it. I have a ton of friends that did microbiome research in grad school. Um, uh-huh. So I heard a little bit about it. Um, okay. Yeah, so talk about what it is for the people who are very unaware. Yes. So it's very Googleable. Just Google Bristol stool chart and you will see it's, um, you'll see pictures of poo. It's not really photographs, like drawings. It's not too gross. No, they're little cartoons. Yeah. Little yeah, poop yeah. cartoons. Little poop cartoons, exactly. And it goes from zero to seven. Mm-hmm. So zero, uh, sorry, one to seven. One. Really, I'm gonna Google it while you're describing it. Like so okay. One is the tiny little balls, which is what I had. I was pooping nine, tiny little balls nine times a day, and I thought I was winning at poop, but I was actually incredibly <laughs> constipated. I'm dying. <laughs> winning at poop. <laughs> and then. And then seven is this like watery, just brown water, right? That's like total diarrhea. So number four is unicorn poop. It's like 
nirvana poo. Like the, that's what you want. So it comes out like, <laughs> it comes out like fast or ice cream, not a lot of smell, very easy cleanup. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what you want. So if you're anywhere between anywhere, like around three or four, you're real good. Three is kind of like, it's like that Nirvana poo, but it just has a couple cracks in it. Mm-hmm. So that's what you, that's still okay. Four is the best. Mm-hmm. So why was I saying that? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my immediate question is if you're at like one end of the spectrum, so maybe you're at type one or maybe you're at type seven, like what, do you do once you realize like everybody everybody's going to google this chart right guys you're all going to google the chart you better uh, and once they see where they're at most often on this what can they de- then do so what you do you 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 know figure okay so if you're constipated right you're like number one um just another little clue sometimes your poop can look normal but maybe you're only pooping every other day once a day, every 10 days, you're still constipated, okay? Mm-hmm. Just because it doesn't look like the tiny little balls doesn't mean you're not constipated. So that, that's another... It's also about frequency. It's also about frequency. Okay. So, anyway, so if you're constipated, there's sometimes... A, there's a couple things that you can do. You can up your water intake. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's that easy of a fix. <laughs> you, damn, water bottle. I got all the water. <laughs> yep. You, sometimes it's that easy to fix. So you find out, so you, like, whatever you weigh, like if you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be drinking half of your weight in ounces of water per day. Mm-hmm. So that always sounds weird when I say it. So I have to explain it in a different way too. So mm-hmm. if you weigh 140 pounds, you drink 70 ounces of water per day. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. So that could be your only problem. You're not drinking enough water. But a lot of times it's a combination of a couple different things, right? Um, so if that doesn't fix it, it could be because you don't have enough magnesium intake, right? Because that's um, a new one for me. Oh, magnesium yeah? intake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of the people in this country have a magnesium insufficiency. I wouldn't go so far as to say deficiency because that's when you're like clinically low and it's like giving you a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're insufficient, you're still still going to cause a lot of problems. It can make you be constipated, which then causes a lot of other problems. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so with the magnesium insufficiency, um, then all you have to do is up your magnesium intake. Mm -hmm. And the best one for if you're constipated is magnesium citrate. You don't want to just be taking like a, a roundabout magnesium supplement. No. Magnesium citrate powdered preferably because it's easily absorbed. And it's also easy to regulate how much or how little you're taking because there can be a very small difference between just the right amount and diarrhea for you. Mm, okay. you have to, it stimulates the bowels a little bit. So if you have too much, you're going to... It, you're going to flush stuff out and it's going to be mm-hmm. diarrhea. So for me personally, I take a teaspoon and a half of magnesium every day. Okay. And it's totally normal to be insufficient in magnesium because of the way that our crops are grown nowadays. The, the fields are overrun, right? And there's not the minerals in the soil 
to even go to the vegetables that we're eating. Mm. And you add on top of that, most people don't have enough vegetables in their diet to begin yeah. with. And so that's why magnesium insufficiency mm. and constipation. Constipation is a really popular problem that people don't really know about. Like mm. it's very common. I think we only really usually think of constipation as here. I'll tell an embarrassing story of mine. Uh, I last year, I actually have a couple that'll probably end up in this in this podcast episode. Um, but last year I was traveling. Um, and actually we're almost coming up on like the anniversary of when this happened. Um, but when we uh, were transitioning from Mexico City to Portugal, that's what we call it when we change cities. I traveled mm-hmm. for a year last year. Ooh. Um, and we went from Mexico City to Portugal. And that was a long ass travel day. And just with like the fact that I wasn't eating normally, the fact that I wasn't drinking the same amounts of water, I wasn't getting up to, to go to the bathroom as often as I usually do. I was plopped in a, you know, a, an airplane seat for yeah. however the hell long that flight was. And it messed up my system. And I landed in Lisbon and I knew something was wrong within 24 hours of us landing. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't pooped. And I went up to one of my dear, dear friends and I was in tears because I was uncomfortable. I could tell my body was just like, there was stuff there. Yeah. Not going through my body the way it was meant to. Mm. And I don't think I recovered from that for like a week. And it was me pounding down water, which didn't help. It was me trying to eat like kind of fibrous foods, hoping that would help because I was just I didn't know what to do. I was just Google tell me to do (laughs) and it ended up resulting in me having to take like laxatives to to fix it because I just couldn't get my body to start Mm -hmm. again. So I feel like that's what I usually associate with constipation, like an extreme situation like that where my body just won't go. Yeah. But there are milder versions is kind of what you're saying, right? Well, it's chronic. Okay. Which I don't know if I would use the word mild because it's like every single day. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, but that's like more like chronic constipation. And I think that's where you're going to come into the, you're going to, you're going to run into people who say, oh yeah, I poop every 10 days. <laughs> like it's nothing. Like, that's like no, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I eat like once a day cause I'm never really hungry and I don't know why I'm gaining weight. And I poop like every 10 days. That's a very common scenario. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you just really have to figure out why is it that you're constipated, right? And then if you go the other way, like diarrhea, uh right? (laughs) Um, It can be some of the same things, you know, um, it's not going to be because you have too much magnesium, (laughs) probably. Mm -hmm. That's not a common problem that causes diarrhea, but it's going to be some sort of pathogen, um, an imbalance in gut bacteria, which can also cause constipation, something like that. Mm-hmm. So what is normal? Like what is normal in terms of pooping? The number four poo at least once a day, at but okay. three times a day is the bomb. Really? You should be pooping three times a day. Yeah. So oh, but- I feel like my pediatrician lied to me all my life. Really? Yeah. What well, they were just like you? once. They were like, if you once a day is good, basically is what I was told when I was younger. Well, you know what? Once a day is nothing to worry about. Okay. But it's not the goal. Okay. Okay, cool. So yeah. sometimes would be like the ideal. Yes. Okay. Got it. Absolutely. Because that means 
that your flow is pretty good. Like it's free flowing, but it's not going too fast. Mm-hmm. If it goes too fast, you can't, you don't have time to absorb nutrients. Mm-hmm. And if it goes too slow, then you're, you're reabsorbing toxins that your body put in the garbage disposal. Oh, I never so thought you, of it that way. Yeah. So you want it to be fast, fast enough that you're not reabsorbing toxins that your body wanted to get rid of and slow enough that you're able to absorb the nutrients that you're eating, mm-hmm. which hopefully you're eating nutrient dense food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for the people who, from the magnesium perspective and the magnesium, not deficiency, insufficiency perspective, uh-huh. the people who are very like anti-supplement. Mm-hmm. what could they do to increase the amount of magnesium they might be getting from their food? Um, grow organic vegetables in your backyard and eat a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. Or like, like join, um, join one of those co-ops where, you know, like an organic co-op where you know that that there's minerals in their soil, like, you know, and make sure it's a good one where they actually rotate the crops so that, you know, you know, let it go fallow every couple of years. I don't know what the rule is there, but they have mm-hmm. to be doing that. And, you know, then they have like, we, we actually belonged to a co-op for a few years. It was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And they had cows there on the fallow, uh, what a crop. <laughs> <laughs> like everything I know about crop rotation and stuff like that I read about in Omnivore's Dilemma when I read <laughs> and I was just like oh that's how it works okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they have they usually they have the cows they're eating the stuff and then they sell the cows too <laughs> and um you, you want to make sure that that happens though because otherwise you're that if you're constantly growing things like actual vegetables on the soil every single year it the minerals just go away Mm -hmm. you know so you have to make sure yeah that's one of those like that's a good way to do it that's um less labor intensive than growing your own vegetables in your backyard but that's where you're going to get that stuff from Mm -hmm. you know and if you're buying vegetables from even whole foods um organic vegetables you are not guaranteed to have enough magnesium mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the things that I think most people, like if they're, if you're so anti-supplements that you won't even take magnesium, then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, well, I I don't know how to help you. Cause I know, I know that there's people out there that maybe they're not anti-supplement, but they want to try their damnedest to make sure that they're getting as much as they can out of their food yes. as opposed to trying to get it with supplements. So yes. I ask that question. It's absolutely. And that's the way that I would totally like rather be doing it for myself as well. But the problem mm-hmm. is that most of our food just doesn't have it like it's mm-hmm. supposed to stuff isn't getting grown right. Mm-hmm. You know, the farming practices, the way they are now are shit. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing we can do about it. So then, so we need the supplements if you're going to be healthy. Yeah. But I, I prefer to have as few supplements as I possibly can as Mm -hmm. well. I totally, I'm down with that, but there's a couple of them that just like, they make me feel better Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. even though I eat a great diet, my, my food just doesn't have the stuff that it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about, so the frequency of how often you're going poop. What about how, how important is regularity? Like, is regularity one of the warning signs as well? 
I, well, I think frequency is regularity. That's fair. What do you? Well, I feel like, you know, my, I used to be the person who's like, oh, well, you know, I poop every morning, right? It's, it's predictable. Oh. Like, like that's kind of how I felt like that's how I know everything's working the way it's meant to, you know? Yes. I understand what you mean. Yeah. I don't think, I think if you're pooping frequently enough, you'll also be regular. Okay. Right. And then if you're irregular, like it's going to be sort of, that's going to be when you're going to skip a day sometimes. Okay. Right. But I know, like, I think you're right. Like that's, again, that's sort of where you, where you hit that Nirvana poo Mm -hmm. like place. Yeah. Because, um, for me, like I poo at seven 30 every morning now, Mm -hmm. but for years that wasn't the case. It would be sometime in the morning, but you know, and, and that was really, that was on my journey to where I am now, you know, Mm -hmm. where like, it was cool to actually get it out sometime in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) I was just grateful for that. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's already like a good place. Okay. And then even better is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we've got some great action steps for people. So, so, oh my gosh, we've got some great action steps for people so far. Talking's hard, people. Talking is hard. Okay. Uh, so we've got, check out the Bristol stool chart, see where you're at. Um, if you're at either of the extremes, and actually that's, that's a good question because I don't even know that I'm 100% clear on it. Is um, drinking more water and taking magnesium and like increasing your veggie intake a good fix for if you're at either extreme? Or is that more for if you're like at type one or at type seven? Or That would be if you're at number one, if you're constipated. Okay. Veggie intake is always a good thing to hmm. increase. That's going to help you either way. Okay. Um, because it helps to bulk up your stool. Okay. So that's going to help you to retain more water in your stool, which is a good thing. And it's going to make it come out easier, right? And make it come out easier and not too fast. (laughs) Yeah. So it both slows it down and speeds it up. So Mm -hmm. you're good with, you know, more vegetables always. Okay. That's all you eat, eat more vegetables. (laughs) It's not a bad thing ever. Um, But with increasing magnesium, if you have diarrhea, that's going to make it worse. So don't okay. do that. Even okay. though you may be insufficient with magnesium and still have diarrhea, mm-hmm. like maybe you have a food sensitivity, maybe you have a pathogen in your gut, maybe there's something else going on that's causing the diarrhea, you know, and then the fact that you don't have enough magnesium isn't what's causing your problem right now. Like if you didn't have the pathogen or whatever it is, or the food sensitivity, you'd be constipated because you don't have enough magnesium. Does that make sense? Ah, okay. So, so diarrhea is more of kind of a, like it's maybe something that you don't, wouldn't necessarily fix by making these simple shifts to your diet, your magnesium, your veggie. There's probably another layer of something going on with diarrhea. Probably, or you stop eating dairy or you stop eating wheat because if it's a food sensitivity, those are two really, really common food sensitivities. Also eggs is really common. Oh, don't take away my eggs. I know. Oh my goodness. Can I tell you a story? When I was fighting candida, I ate almost exclusively eggs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
side note, when you have candida or some other like pathogen, like, like a parasite or whatever in your gut, that causes leaky gut. So that's intestinal permeability, right? Our intestines are supposed to be a little bit permeable only to let fully digested food through. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't any longer look like food. Now it just looks like glucose or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Chemical forms yes. of food. Yeah, that's all <laughs> that's supposed to get through your gut lining. Well, when you have intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut, food comes through, like undigested chunks of food leaks through your gut and into your body. And so then your body reacts to that, sees it as a foreign invader, reacts to it with inflammation. Mm-hmm. So here was my thing with the candida. Candida causes intestinal permeability, leaky gut, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of food sensitivities because of that, because food was coming through, my body was reacting to it with inflammation and that causes mm-hmm. a food sensitivity. And I was eating at that time, like I had taken away like all the things I was sensitive to and I replaced it with vegetables and eggs. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, this was when I didn't have a good person guiding me. I hadn't been to functional medicine school yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that, oh, there are actual things you need to do to seal and repair your gut lining because just taking the candida away doesn't fix that. Mm-hmm. You have to really nourish it and make sure that those j- tight junctions are tight again. And I didn't do that. And I was eating just eggs. So I developed a sensitivity to eggs. Oh. So like after about a year, I would, after breakfast, I would be constipated. I was like, why am I, I don't understand. I'm like, I used to eat this and be like, pooping like a champ and just great. And why am I constipated again? And I was recognizing the constipation now because I could see the tiny little balls that wanted to come out every time I stood up and it was awful. And then I did a food sensitivity test and Mm -hmm. it turns out eggs were off the chart, just like unreadable. Oh my God. I was so sad you have no idea of, I don't know, maybe you do. The way you re- reacted when I mentioned eggs, like make me think that maybe you do understand. Well, it I was, think cheese would actually be the hardest one for me. Like uh, I could probably give up eggs, but giving up cheese would be really hard for me. Like other dairy products, yeah, whatever. But cheese? Cheese is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I used to eat, I mean, I would eat like six, seven, eight eggs a day. And then I had to give it up. And So I gave it up. And so most of the time when you have a food sensitivity, you only have to give it up for like four months. Mm -hmm. It's like cold turkey, not in your diet, not one crumb because your body will react to it when it sees it again. Mm -hmm. So you just like completely remove it from your diet and you're good. And then after four months of not eating it at all, you hope that your immune system sort of forgot about it and Mm -hmm. won't react to it the next time that you eat it, right? And so you try a little bit and see what happens. So I tried a little bit of eggs. Like I ate something that had eggs as an ingredient, some sort of a gluten-free baked good. Mm -hmm. And I had diarrhea within half an hour. Jesus. And then quite recently, actually, in December, I went to a sushi place and I had unagi. Is that what it's called? The, 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 the scrambled egg thing that's so delicious yeah yeah no no that's 
or yeah, I, I, I don't remember what it's called, called, but I know what you're talking about. I, I think that's what it's called. It's so it's so similar to the word umami, which is not that. Um, anyway, <laughs> I had that egg thing and I, I forgot that it was, I had just told my friend, oh yeah, it's scrambled eggs. And then it came on my dish and I was like, yum, I love that thing. It didn't click, but that was, it was, I was just stupid. And well, you're I right, really, it's like it's sushi, it's fish, like whatever. Yeah. yeah, even though I just told my friend it was eggs because she asked. <gasps> Duh. And so then I, I ate it. And this was the first time in, I want to say, two years that I had eaten an actual egg that wasn't just an ingredient in something. It was an egg. And when it was an ingredient, I told you, half an hour later, diarrhea uh-huh. for the rest of the day. Well, I ate this egg actual egg I had immediate like diarrhea like within within half an hour like I was still sitting there at the restaurant kind of going oh what's wrong and then we got we went back to work and I I was just in the bathroom I think um I was still this is at the opera house I think I missed one of my entrances because I was in the restroom and that lasted three days Oh my God. Because that's how long it takes for a food to work itself out of your body. So the reaction that your body has to it is going to last that long if it's Mm -hmm. a strong reaction. So it lasted three days. And then also at that very same time, when your body is having such a violent inflammatory reaction to something that you ate, your immune system is going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like overreacting to everything, right? And then any little virus that you are, uh, what's the word, exposed to, infected with, or yeah, anything that you're exposed to, any little virus, you're gonna, your immune system is just gonna like boop, react to that. Whereas normally, for me at that time, my my immune system would have said, "Oh, that's a virus, whatever," and wouldn't have reacted. Mm-hmm. Just let it, just let it go. You know, because my immune system was being really calm until I put an egg in there. Oh, my gosh. And I was sick for two weeks after that, like like with a head cold kind of thing. That's insane. All for eating an egg. But that's what happens. This is not an uncommon story. Uh-huh. That's, that's what happens with leaky gut and food sensitivities. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so, okay, diarrhea, food sensitivities. That's the mm-hmm. connection there. Okay. Diarrhea. So, so if you're, so if you have this like chronic diarrhea, it could be because with me, I was a little sensitive to eggs before that, but it was like a chronic thing, low mm. level of inflammation, constipated all the time. Mm. Your body just may react in a different way when you're sensitive to something and you have diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So really, really common cause of that are wheat, dairy, and gluten. Sorry, mm-hmm. eggs, mm-hmm. dairy and eggs. Wheat, dairy, and eggs. Oh, gosh. That's, yeah, my brother's thing ended up being artificial sugar. His body does not like artificial sugar. Um, so there's a lot of stuff he can't. Yes. But we've gotten very good at accommodating him. But, yeah, it, <laughs> it was it was all about, yeah, just there were certain things like pasta sauces and, like, certain salad yeah. dressings and whatnot that would just trigger. Yeah. And it was just like that. It was, you know, within who knows how long, half an hour. He'd be MIA. <laughs> yeah. What did I eat? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and I think there's. I mean, it's like it's it's got to be frustrating to have to give up the foods that you like, especially like when they're in everything. I mean, Jesus, eggs can be in everything, artificial sugars in friggin' everything. But I feel like, and I and I, you touched on this um, when we originally connected, just the improvement in your quality of life 
and your yeah. energy from things is huge. It's so worth it because when you have all these like this leaky gut stuff going on, you're tired. You've got like headaches, joint and muscle pain, brain fog, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's annoying. You, you kind of feel like you have this like low level flu all the time and you get used to it. It becomes your new normal mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is just how I am. I'm just tired. I just never get enough sleep. You blame it on not getting enough sleep, even though you're getting nine hours like I was. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Um, and, and it's not, I mean, maybe you're not getting enough sleep too. That could be a big part of it, but you know, it causes those, give up the foods and you actually really giving up sugar and wheat and dairy and eggs for me has opened up so many beautiful other foods that I didn't know existed before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have more fun with food now than I ever did before. I feel like my diet was restricted when I was eating those things mm-hmm. because that's all I ate. That's all I ate was like cereal, sandwiches, processed meat, cheese, a a salad every once in a while if I was lucky, but you know that thing was dressed with sugar. (laughs) Fair, fair. (laughs) You know, pancakes, waffles, whatever. And like, I just, a lot of cereal, a lot of cereal and milk and Mm -hmm. yogurt, like sugar yogurt. Yeah. And, and that's all I ate, which I feel like, I feel like that's so much more restrictive than Mm-hmm. all the beautiful different colors of vegetables that I'm eating now that I never heard of before. I didn't even know they existed. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's actually like at first I felt like it was very restri- restrictive. I was depressed. I was like crying all the time. I didn't know what to do. I was in the grocery store, like weeping. What can I eat? What's not going to feed my candida? Everything I like, even in the produce section, I was like, well, those are red apples. That's a banana. That's I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And that's all I could see. I was like blinded to all the things that I could see, mm-hmm. you know, because so it's almost like I, a bit of a mindset shift, like yeah. instead of seeing the things, all these things that you can't have, it was like, okay, well, what can I have? What new things can I try? Yes, absolutely. And then once I figured that out, there were so many more things that I could have, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that like the the grocery store is flooded with all this sugar and processed crap mm-hmm. because that's what people eat. That's what people like, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and the other stuff, yeah, it is harder to find, but there's much more of it mm-hmm. than you would realize. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget beautiful. when I lived in Michigan and I had so much fun at the Ann Arbor uh, farmer's market. Like I would, yeah, there were periodically, uh, produce that I could not find at the farmer's market, but dang, in the summer, Saturday morning, I would go to the farmer's market and that's where I get the vast majority of my produce for the week. And it was, you know, it was, it was fresh. It lasted so much longer than the stuff I got at the store. And periodically they talked me into buying some vegetables that I'd never even heard of before. And I'm like, okay, how do I cook this thing? Yeah. What do I do with this? But it was, it was fun. That was, that was the way I found to like experiment with with uh, different veggies and whatnot to, to get away from the processed crap was to go shop yeah. the, the farmer's market. That was fun. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great thing to do. Uh, love it. So, so good. Okay. So we've covered all the things we've talked, uh, Candida, we've talked uh, IBS, we've talked food intolerances, we've talked poop um, in, in vol- all of its different forms. Um, mm-hmm. So just to kind of leave people with a nice, like simple, 
thing that they could take away from this? If you had to give people one piece of advice, one place to start, if any of this resonated with them, what would be that one place? I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll ask the question anyway. <laughs> yeah, you probably do. I probably already said this. Um, I would say absolutely Google the Bristol stool chart and see where you're at, because that is your body's number one best way of talking to you and telling you if mm-hmm. something is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if your poop isn't a number four, at least once a day, preferably three, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong. And you have to figure out why. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wonderful. I think kind of, it can be simple. It's a simple start anyway. It is. And I think that's, and we've kind of talked about it in the emails a little bit. Like, I feel like so often what people can get tripped up with about health is all the people are saying all the things and they're like, oh my God, where do I start? And sometimes I feel like my brain just wants to explode. Yeah. And it's overwhelming so that you you do nothing. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So I feel like that's a, if they start anywhere, that's a perfect Mm -hmm. place to start. Um, Before we get into my wrap up questions, I have one more question I'd like to ask from your perspective, because I know you're so passionate about health education. Um, You, you emphasize a lot how important it is for us to just talk about this stuff. You're obviously talking about you know, sharing some of your, you know, cringeworthy and also hilarious (laughs) stories. And I know for me, like this is unrelated, but kind of sort of related to um, gut health is I was half marathon training back in 2015. And I would get toward the end of the, you know, the half marathon training and I'm running like nine, 10, 11 miles. And I would is experiencing that. And you know how you said when you run, it kind of jostles things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was experiencing that and I was so frustrated and I didn't know what was wrong, but I was embarrassed to talk about the fact that I was getting diarrhea. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? When I talked about it, my friend who had done half marathon training in the past, oh, said, she goes, oh yeah, that's, that's normal. That's a thing. It happens for X, Y, Z reasons. This is what you need to do to fix it. And I did what she said and it wasn't a problem anymore. Wow. And it was just a matter of talking about it that I learned this one trick that could have made my training so much less miserable. So mm-hmm. what advice do you have for people or what would, um, what could we do, you know, me as, as the host and people who are listening to this to kind of help spread this message of gut health and, and what they can do to fix it? Well, it's just that you need to talk about it because you know what? It used to be nobody would talk about sex or menstruation, or like personal relationships, right? Nobody wanted to talk about problem they were having with their boyfriend or their husband or whatever. And then once we started talking about that stuff, it was like, like, it's just another like, interesting subject to talk about the stigma went away. Mm -hmm. And people who were having trouble got help. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the embarrassment goes away too. Right. Mm -hmm. I've always been a person like I'm not embarrassed about anything. So that's why like I have such a big mouth about this. But (laughs) but I understand that it's an embarrassing subject, Mm -hmm. you know, but sex used to be an embarrassing subject and and periods Mm -hmm. and, you know, fights with your husband. You used to, you know, make people think, oh, I'm a bad wife. I must be a bad person. Well, it's not the truth. Everybody has these things. Everybody does these things. Everybody has trouble with them once in a while and you need to talk about it. That's it. Like, I feel like poop is just one of these things that is still 
too gross and too embarrassing for people to bring up in conversation. Mm-hmm. And as long as it stays like that, people are going to suffer in silence or like me, they're not even going to know there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I mean, I was pooping nine times a day, little balls. And I thought I was winning at poop and I didn't even know there was something wrong. I was getting three to six yeast infections every year. And I didn't know that there was something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So we need to, I just feel like we need to talk about this stuff because mm-hmm. if you, if you're that sick, like I was, and you're not even aware of it, it's just mm-hmm. normal for you. And like, and there's something so like kind of simple that you can do to fix it. I just feel like, I feel like people need to know. I feel like there should be like a public service announcement on TV. Like there used to be when I was a kid about poop, mm-hmm. you know, instead of got milk, like throw away your milk. What does your poop look like? <laughs> <laughs> That's your public service announcement. <laughs> and look at your poop, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. I have a couple wrap up questions to tie this thing up with a nice little bow. So this is a personal growth oriented podcast and we've kind of taken personal growth in a little bit of a different direction today, but I, I love it. So um, <laughs> I love to, I've started asking people, you know, what is personal growth mean to you and how, how does it show up for you in your life? Oh, well, for me, that's um, doing scary things. When something makes me so nervous that I kind of don't want to do it, I know that that's the thing I should be doing next. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was, um, I recently got divorced, which that was one of those things. It kind of scared me, kind of felt like I shouldn't, I, like I thought about it for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then when I finally did it, it's just like, that was a growth thing for me. It's not going to be for everyone, but for me, it really was. And, um, and also quitting my job and really jumping in with my business, you know, really believing Mm -hmm. myself with that, that was definitely personal growth for me. And both things Mm -hmm. were scary as shit. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I took me a couple years to really jump in, but when I did, oh my gosh, I haven't been happier ever. Oh, I love that answer. Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to find more scary things to engage in lately. I did apply for, yeah. for a TED talk. I did not get into said TED talk. But oh. I applied and that was See? scary. <laughs> keep okay. applying. Yeah, exactly. I just got to keep applying. I keep putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So uh, second to last question is what are some of your favorite resources um, to educate people on how they can grow themselves or maybe to educate themselves about functional medicine and, and poop and gut health? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if this is going to sound too like self-promoting, but my website. <laughs> well, my next question is how can people find you? So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's all I talk about on there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and honestly, the other places you can go for that is like where I went to school, the school of applied functional medicine. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in doing the same thing that I'm doing and just really, really, boning up on that stuff that's the place to go it's mm-hmm. amazing so yeah school of applied functional medicine and my website because I talk it. about I talk about poop a lot on there <laughs> yeah lots of gross stuff it's awesome <laughs> so fun any other places that people can find you online or would be the best place to go your website yeah well my website and then also um, I have a Facebook group it's called um, Candida IBS and metals education group that's on Facebook. Um, 
And then I also have, if you're interested in this candida thing, if you feel like that's something that you need to look into, like maybe you have that. I have a seven step checklist to, for killing candida. Um, I can send you the link for that. If you want, you could put in the notes for yeah. the, for the episode. Um, yes, all the links. <laughs> I'll send you all the links. And then um, I also, I'm just now um, putting the finishing touches on a membership site. Ooh. It's really exciting for me. And it's called the Guff and Glory Galley. Oh my God. I love that. So. <laughs> also, can I just say, I can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing your Instagram handle and being like, I like that. Yeah. Lori Gutsy. That's me at Instagram. Uh-huh. I like Lori that. Gutsy. Very appropriate. Mm-hmm. So so the Guts and Glory Galley is my new membership site where I have like, like I mentioned before, I was, I used to cry in the grocery store literally because I didn't know what to buy and make for my family. So, so on this membership site, I'm posting tons of amazing, fun, delicious recipes that follow the anti-candida diet. So if anybody's familiar with that, I mean, it's no sugar, it's no dairy, no wheat, no, like not, no white rice, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. And you forget how many wonderful things you really can eat. And so I'm in the process of loading it up with so many great recipes and there's new ones every month. And then I'm doing coaching in there, monthly group coaching. I'm also going to have some guest speakers in there too, where we can do interviews and masterclasses. Uh, it'll be something kind of like this. And that's where I would have people like you to come in and be the guest speaker and kind of talk to my group. And that way you can meet new people and they can sort of under, sort of get around this whole, like being on the anti-candida diet. It's, it's hard to be around other people. It's hard to socialize. Mm-hmm. It's hard to deal with your life while you're doing that. And so that's going to help with that kind of stuff. So that's my membership site. I'm so excited about that. Awesome. Awesome. All the things, all the new things happening. Uh, That's so exciting. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on here and educating me, educating all the listeners on what they can do to fix this. I feel like I've got like my own little mental checklist of what I'm going to go do now. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. That's great. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. But before you go, one last thing. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Growth Tribe, and thank you so much for your support. If you've been enjoying what you're hearing and you want to help me and all of our wonderful guests get their message out, there are a few things you could do. You could send an episode that you really loved to a friend that you really think would appreciate it. You could subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes, or you could take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram or Facebook story. I love stories, and I would love nothing more than the opportunity to shout you out and send you a massive thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Growth Tribe.